Welcome to the Expansive Astrology Podcast, where we look at using astrology beyond the tropes and horoscopes to tune into the natural forces around us and within us, honoring our true nature to craft our future. I'm your host, Melissa, the self-care witch, and I'm here to help you meet your magic. Without further ado, let's begin this week's episode with a tarot reading for the collective. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. Today I have episode 30 for you and we are diving deeper into the medicine of Sagittarius. We're talking about optimism, courageous optimism. This might be kind of a challenging topic for some. So I'm excited to hear from you how it lands. Uh, but I'm getting ahead of myself. First things first, as always, I have a collective tarot reading for you. This is a four card check-in spread inspired by Lindsay Mack. This is meant to explore what is present for the collective. So some of the things I say might really resonate and might feel like it was meant just for you to hear. Some other things might not hit that close to home, right? Either way, I encourage you to take what you need and leave the rest. Take what resonates and leave the rest. Don't worry about it. Don't try to make it fit. But also stay open to seeing how these things may play out for you over the week to come. Because if you're hearing this, I trust that you need to hear it, you know? So I'm just shuffling until the right cards fall out for us. Hmm. Ooh, okay. Interesting. We've okay, we've got an an interesting spread. All right. Okay. First present for us is the death card. If you want to hear my in-depth take on the death card, uh, you just have to go back a couple of episodes. I talked about the death card in detail um, in episode 26. In general, the death card showing up in a spread is um, really like an indication uh, to surrender to and welcome transition to find peace and acceptance in change, to evaluate what is and isn't working and like what needs to, what needs to die? What do you need to be done with? What do you need to um, add to the compost pile so that your garden can only grow um, more nutrient dense, right? It's a card of change. It's a card of transition and movement, evolution. And this can be, it can represent something really massive or it can be very subtle. It could represent the death of a relationship or a job or um, something like that. Or it can um, be the death of a limiting belief or a thought pattern that um, you've had that you've been operating with that um, is that you're realizing is no longer serving you, right? We, we experience 
we experience death in massive ways and really subtle ways all the time. Sometimes it can be almost un- unnoticeable. So it's not necessarily something that we need to fear. But when when the card comes up, like it's just like an invitation. It's just a heads up like, hey, don't uh, don't fear or resist positive change. You know, even if the brain or the ego and and or the heart and the spirit even even if it's like painful um and difficult and not something that we um would choose or not something that um feels pleasant you know like <clears throat> no matter the circumstances like this card comes up and helps us supports us in having the wisdom to know like even if it's really uncomfortable even if there's a major massive part of us that's tr- wanting to cling on um to the way things have been this card comes up and says like you're safe you're safe to um let go right there's there's so much power in that there's so much power in allowing evolution and in um having like healthy attachment right where like um where there's a good balance because like attachment looks different for everybody it's a very complicated topic right uh and we it's natural for us to attach to things that are working for us or or even not it's natural for us to feel attachment and that's like not something that we necessarily need to um resist or like um it's not wrong to have strong attachments to things and it's wise to know how to um loosen your grip and how to allow change this card initiates us into a new way of being and I'm talking a lot about like allowing the change and um, like kind of surrendering to it, being at peace with it. Um, and that's not to say like the death card is also our ally in grief. Like um, when the de- it's it's it encompasses like so much. It encompasses every facet of what it means to experience death and change transition loss part of that experience hopefully includes you know um, gratitude and a welcoming of what's next and um hopefully some like optimistic um, or positive feelings toward like the compost pile even if it's bittersweet but that's not to say that we don't also feel the gut-wrenching um pain and grief and sadness that can come with death or loss or change this card is our ally in welcoming death and allowing it but also our ally in um like like how difficult it is how painful it can be this this is our ally in experiencing the grief around it the contraction that comes and I like that this comes up um, on a day where I'm about to talk a lot about um, like managing your mindset in the face of difficulty, right? Like um, maintaining an optimistic worldview um, despite gestures widely, 
despite the state of the world, right? It's not about ignoring the pain or bypassing the grief. It's about feeling it and welcoming it, welcoming the full spectrum of the experience, the gratitude, the the pain, the grief, the sadness, the fear, just allowing all that comes up with it, allowing, that's, that's a key word, right? Allowing death as messy as it can look, as painful it can be, like allowing it to be a part of life and like finding the medicine in it. I could talk about this forever, but let me move on. That idea is supported this week by the seven of cups. And I'm going to emphasize a big topic from last week's episode here. Um, the seven of cups, there's kind of a, a lesson there of like, you don't need to know. You don't need to know. You don't need to know which cup is going to be the best cup. You don't need to know, um, like, let that be medicinal. Let that be freeing for you. Like when the seven of cups comes up, it's, it's illustrating. It's kind of, um, permissioning you to be in a place of dreaming, of daydreaming, how appropriate for Sagittarius energy too. I love that. But the seven of cups, um, allowing yourself to be in a place where things feel kind of scattered or up in the air, allowing yourself to be in a place where um, maybe you don't know what to engage with. You don't know what direction to take. You don't know. um, You don't know. (laughs) You just, you just might not know. Right. And there can be a lot of pressure to like figure it out, (laughs) try something, you know, like there, there can be a lot of pressure to make the right choices and to, um, (laughs) you know, the phrase that just hit me that I don't think I've ever said (laughs) to anyone ever, but like, there's a lot of pressure to shit or get off the pot, right? In certain situations. Um, And this card is about taking your sweet time on the pot. Um, and like letting yourself be in a phase where, yeah, maybe things are kind of up in the air and yeah, maybe you aren't sure. And yeah, maybe, um, you are kind of really considering all of your options. This is one of those cards where I just like, my brain keeps telling me this might not really resonate for everybody right now. Um, but it's also just very, in general, it kind of illustrates the beauty, the, that medicine of Sagittarius energy, um, the ability for Sagittarius to um, dream expansively, to see all possibilities. Like, um, that's what the Seven of Cups permissions and allows us to be in. And again, that can be really uncomfortable, but that kind of place of like dreaming and maybe not knowing, but like staying open to our options, um, that idea is kind of what is guiding or supporting or informing, um, that the, the death energy, um, these two together, seven of cups being the kind of foundation for the death card. It just really feels like allowing ourselves to be in a very liminal space, allowing ourselves to be in transition. I had a, I had a witchy teacher who, um, 
she once reassured me that like as the phoenix rises right the phoenix will burst into flames and be reborn and there is a point in time in that process where um, it is half bird half ash can you allow yourself to be in a a period of transition to, and really be in it. Can you allow yourself to not know what the fuck you're doing? <laughs> but you're going to do it anyway and you're going to trust um trust what comes and you're going to trust like um where you're guided to go and you're going to stay open and alert and aware of where you're being guided to go, right? But can you like can you surrender to the idea that you don't fucking know? <laughs> you might not know where you're going. Or what it's going to look like. Or if all of this is going to be worth it. Like, uh, and you don't need to know. If that's hard for you, go back to last week's episode. And if that's hard for you, um, I'm going to push it even a little farther this week. So buckle in for that. But that's what's present for us. What we're learning this week is the moon card. I really like that. Um, the moon card, just to put it really simply, um, it's about, oh my God. Oh my God. It is really re-emphasizing what I've already said in kind of a crazy way. Um, the way I read the moon card, the way Lindsay Mack teaches it is that this card is, it's about like connecting with your intuition, trusting your intuition, trusting like the cycles of your life, the spirals of your life, trusting, um, um, that you are divinely guided and that you are whole no matter what. And that like, as we move through our cycles, you can connect to your inner knowing, you can connect to, um, something greater than you, right. For some support and some guidance, um, connecting to the moon and in soul tarot, something that I love that Lindsay Mack really emphasizes with this card is that, um, um, it, it has us evaluate. It has us looking at, how we show up in the dark of night. How do you show up when you have no idea what the hell is going on? (laughs) How do you cope with that? How do you cope when you can't see? And in the Pamela Coleman Smith illustration, the Smith Rider weight deck, uh, this is illustrated by the two dogs on the card. There are two dogs on the card kind of looking up at the giant moon. One of the dogs... um, He's like relaxed and surrendered and just kind of looking at the moon, kind of um, maybe in conversation with it. And the other dog is like completely like um, he's like completely tense. He his um, like, I don't know what you call it. His tail is all puffed up and like the hair on his back is all puffed up. He's like um, alert and totally feral and freaked out. Right. Um, and Lindsay Max says that this card just in a nutshell has us ask, like, which which dog do you want to be? Which dog are you going to be when you don't know what the fuck is going on? Can you surrender to those moments? Can you surrender and be in conversation with the moon or with um, your guides, whatever that looks like for you? Um, be in conversation with um, whatever is bigger or greater than you? Or do you completely freak out and contract and tense up and um, totally feel the need to uh, know and see? 
right? Again, <laughs> I'm going to say it again. You don't need to know. You can trust. You can surrender. You can surrender to the unknown. We went to um, my in-law's lakeside cabin in Omaha or near Omaha over the summer. And I have never spent so much time at a lake in my life. And it was so wonderful. And there was one evening that I went out there when it was like dark out. Um, It was pretty late. And I remember standing in the water and really experiencing, like experiencing fear and just such a discomfort and a, such a stark, um, um, difference. It was such a stark difference standing in the same lake in the same place on the same day. But like standing in a lake when the sun is out, even though, even though I couldn't see below the surface, even in the brightness of the day, right? I could not see below the surface of the lake. So really, it's kind of no different at night, right? I can, I can see just as much inside the lake during the day and at night. And yet, like, there was something so, um, freaky, deaky, freaky, scary, like to stand in a lake in the pitch dark of night with only like the light of the moon and the stars. <laughs> it was scary. And um, I had a moment where I was like, this is so interesting. This is like what Lindsay Mack talks about. It's like, I am in the same place. Um, I am just as safe as I was six hours ago, but it feels so scary (laughs) at nighttime. I don't know, just a fun little, I like was standing there experiencing this like weird fear. And I was like, this is the moon card. Anyway, what we're learning this week is how to surrender, how we show up in this, in these times where like, um, you can't see where you don't know, um, where you're kind of just like operating on a hunch or operating on intuition or operating on the guidance of the moon, if you will. Like, how does your brain cope with that? How do you feel about that? How do you deal with that? Can you be in that and surrender to that? Um, That's what we're learning this week. And through it all, (laughs) through all that death energy and all that, um, the big, huge question marks and the blind spots that seem to be apparent, present according to these cards given all of that our anchor is the star card and I don't think there could possibly be anything better the star card comes immediately after the tower card which I always mention because um, the tower card is pretty feared it can be pretty intense and um, this is almost it feels like a complete 180 degree turn from that um, the star is dubbed the nervous system healer of the tarot. This card is what supports us in, um, the aftermath of like a tower experience. How do you tend yourself? Like the star card invites radical self-care, deep, deep, serious, serious tending to your nervous system honoring your nervous system, coping with um, the aftermath of a massive change, gentle healing and nurturing in like such a committed way. Like 
<sighs> no cutting corners. It is like just radical self-healing. This card supports us in regeneration, healing, and rest. This card comes up to say you are allowed to embrace more gentleness, more self-care, more support. And that does not make you weak or unevolved or like needy or like um, out of control, right? Like this card permissions tender loving care more than feels like more than it feels like you need and it's the star card because doing that allows us to shine and the star card is related to aquarius energy and aquarius is kind of like in a way um there's like a service to the collective Aquarius is the water bearer. It brings the water, it brings um, sustenance, right? So I also mentioned that for those of you who are caregivers, those of you who um, are used to putting others first, the star card teaches us that by embracing radical, like serious self-nurturing and serious tender loving care, that's what helps us show up as better caregivers. Like that is the foundation. That is the most important first step to um, showing up in service for the collective. We cannot show up in service for the collective unless we have, I mean, we can, but um, only to a certain degree, not very well. And we risk like burnout or worse. We, were just, we risk like damaging ourselves or others. The star card teaches us that like the best, the only way to, to be a truly empowered, um, healthy, helpful caregiver for the long term is by doing your star work, is by um, meeting yourself at ground zero and tending the foundation from there, expertly tending the foundation from there. So it's funny that we're talking about like um, the death card where... Um, I always share that it's like sloughing off something that we add to the compost <laughs> and then we're rounding out the tarot spread with the star where we're talking about what we do with that compost and how we tend the soil. That's a pretty, I love that. I love this spread this week. <laughs> it might be a little like difficult to move through, but what, um, what a cohesive, beautiful message. If I do say so myself, <laughs> um, I freaking love the tarot, man. If you're interested in more tarot readings from me, remember that I do free tarot Friday on my Instagram stories every Friday. Also, if you're interested in a five card spread for the month of December, personalized for you, um, sign up for the Meet Your Magic monthly membership before December 15th, and you will receive that tarot spread in your inbox. All right. Without further ado, let's jump into the expansive astrology for this week. I'm going to push you to embrace optimism. In this week of Sagittarius season, we are exploring 
courageous optimism. So I'll start off by defining optimism. Optimism is hopefulness and confidence about the future or the successful outcome of something. It's also a philosophy, the philosophy that this world is the best of all possible worlds, which I know (laughs) might seem dire a lot of the time. Like, holy shit, (laughs) this is the best world of all possible worlds. This, these circumstances, yikes, it's a, a bold philosophy to live by, right? But let's explore this. Bear with me. Sagittarius is Jupiter ruled. Jupiter is known as the planet of luck, generosity, abundance, and expansion. It's the largest of the planets, and Jupiter brings an energy of hope even in the face of adversity. So let's take advantage of that energy and play around with optimism, soul-centered living, and dreaming really really big while Sagittarius season is here. Now, if you don't know where you fall on like the optimism spectrum, on the optimism scale, there is something called the life orientation test that you can Google and pull up for free. You score it yourself. It was developed in 1985, but it's been Uh, refined and adjusted since then. And it's uh, like a short 10 question questionnaire question. (laughs) Um, And it gives a score for both optimism and pessimism. And it's kind of cool to have a numerical value, a um, really clear idea of where you fall um, as we enter into this conversation. So I definitely recommend looking up that questionnaire. Um, I'll have a link in the show notes for you. Now, this life orientation test research shows that higher optimistic scores on this scale predict better outcomes in relationships, predicts higher social status, and a reduced loss of well-being following adversity. So like heightened resilience, a better ability to cope with hardship. Also, healthier lifestyle habits are seen in those with higher optimism scores, while health damaging behaviors are associated with pessimism. This might suggest that people with a natural affinity toward optimism may also experience a natural affinity toward healthier lifestyle habits better relationships, reduced, uh, better ability to cope. The argument for optimism is strong, but before we go out any further, let me make this part very clear. Optimism is more than positivity. It's more than happiness. It's more than a feeling. There is no toxic positivity happening here. Optimism and this conversation, it's not about 
keeping a positive mindset no matter what. And optimism is not equivalent with happiness. We can both be optimistic and very upset. (laughs) We can feel optimistic and incredibly unhappy at the same time. Optimism is not denial or ignorance or naivete. It's not ignoring the reality of what is. It's not living with your head in the clouds or sticking your head in the sand. I am absolutely not about all that. I believe it is absolutely essential that we acknowledge what is the full scope of what is and validate the reality we find ourselves in no matter what, no matter how uncomfortable, no matter how badly we wish it weren't our reality. So again, optimism is not denial or naivety. I think I said that word differently both times I've said it in less than a minute. (laughs) How do you say that word? Naivety, naivete, naivete. Hey, Google, how do you pronounce naivety? That's pronounced naivety. Oh, well, I guess it depends who you ask. Um, okay, back on, back, back on track, Melissa. <laughs> optimism is not denial or naivety. Rather, optimism is the fundamental belief that one day things will get better. That when we find ourselves in darkness, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. That we're always doing the best we can. And that we're always being supported. Here's the great news. We get to choose how we operate. It's not that simple. (laughs) A lot of times uh, it requires a lot of deprogramming and reprogramming, right? But we get to choose. And we're pretty simple. We're, we can like, we can simplify it down even further, uh, and we can say, I think it's it's fair to say that we are always either operating from love or fear. No matter what's going on, anger, worry, anxiety, jealousy, doubt, it's all rooted in fear or related to fear. And those feelings are valid and necessary, and deserve and need to be felt and acknowledged and worked through. And we get to choose to have a great day. We get to choose to shift and operate from a place of love instead, a place of gratitude and empowerment and peace. We get to feel fear, anger, worry, anxiety, jealousy, doubt, all the things. We get to feel them, experience them, move through them, validate them, and we can still choose to have a great day along with all of those things. This, If this feels really wild to you, hang in there. Hang in there. Stay with me. I have a plan. I have a plan. And uh, this is just an experiment to like try um, 
to to live with and swim through as Sagittarius season continues to unfold. This takes a lot of practice and intention and work, but I truly believe that we get to choose at any point, at any time, no matter what is coming up for us, no matter what is coming up around us, at any time, we get to choose to shift and operate from a place of love and gratitude and empowerment and peace. A part of how we get there is that um, we practice what it means to stop placing conditions on how you're operating. Stop placing conditions on how you're operating. You get to choose. Repeat after me. My inner state gets to be whatever I want it to be, no matter what is going on outside of me. External sources do not determine my inner state. Stop placing conditions on your happiness. All there is, is now. And we place conditions on our happiness all the time. All the time. (laughs) And it often sounds like, I'll be happy when blank. I'll be happy when I can finally sleep through the night or when my kid sleeps through the night. I'll be happy once um, the puppy is potty trained. I'll be happy once I get a raise. I'll be happy once the debt is paid off. I'll be happy once um, my knee doesn't hurt anymore. I'll be happy when I finally experience justice, right? Like, (sighs) runs deep. We do this in a million ways and it doesn't have to be that way. Anxiety and depression, this is kind of a cliche. Um, people say people say it a lot, but anxiety and depression are caused by living in the future or the past. By taking away focus from here and now, by taking away focus from the present, by fixating on where we've come from, or where we're going. But when we're able to be present, when we're able to be in the here and now, that's where our power is. In the here and now, you're alive. You're breathing. You're listening to these words, meaning you have some sort of electronic device and an internet connection and some time to listen and reflect. That tells me you're doing relatively well, right? You're probably safe. Hopefully you're warm. Hopefully you're fed. In the here and now, you're alive, you're breathing, you're safe. Could things be better? Probably. (laughs) And you're doing the best you can considering the circumstances. And you'll continue to figure it out as you go along. The best place to focus our energy and our mind is here, now, presence. Because ultimately, the future and the past are an illusion anyway. They don't actually exist. Like, they're a figment of your imagination. 
when you're thinking of the future, you're thinking of the past, it's literally imaginary. What does exist is you in your sweet body right here, right now. And right now, you're doing pretty great. Could things be better? Yeah, probably. Perhaps. But you're here, breathing and surviving. So, all things considered, you're doing pretty all right. One thing I hear a lot is a resistance to optimism because, like, if I have, like, low expectations, I won't be disappointed, right? Like, um, um, good people don't always experience good things. In fact, bad people get good things. Um, I don't want to be let down. The, the other shoe always drops, right? There's, there's a lot of resistance and there's a lot of arguments for why we should resist optimism. So again, I want to just gently remind you that optimism is not ignorance or gullibility. Yes, disappointments happen. And yeah, good things happen to bad people and vice versa all the time. Optimism is not about denying those things. Yes, the other shoe will drop. Yes, difficult or disappointing or fucking heart-wrenching, traumatic, impossible things will come around. No one's immune. And I think we trick ourselves into believing that if we're optimistic, we'll just be let down in the end. And that's a very pessimistic view of what optimism is. (laughs) We trick ourselves into believing that we have to brace ourselves for the worst possible outcome. That we have to prepare ourselves for the other shoe to drop. That it'd be better to expect the worst and then be surprised. But know this, no amount of preparation can actually help you. (sighs) There's a big part of me that really contracts when I think of that, when I hear that, right? But it's true. It's fiction. It's an illusion. It's in your head. Okay, I'm actually going (laughs) to... I'm actually going to take that back a little bit. I'm going to retract that a little bit. I said no amount of preparation can actually help you. And maybe that's not totally true, right? Like um, being wise and um, knowing um, how to protect yourself and keeping yourself safe, like preparing in that way, obviously could help you in the face of adversity or, um, or danger. And... Even the most, like, well-stocked of bomb shelter. (laughs) Like, those people may have an easier time. um, But, like, nobody can actually prepare. Nothing can actually prepare us for, like, how our life will unfold. We can feel like we're prepared. We can fixate on preparing. We can center our whole life around... Um, 
trying to brace ourselves for hard or negative things to happen to us. But the truth is, all of that preparation, it's fiction. It's in your head. It's illusion. It's illusion. It's the brain's way of trying to um, seek a sense of control and um, like purpose and, and safety and security. When in reality, we know that even the most well-stocked and prepared of bomb shelters, like, the people are still going to die eventually. You know, like, I hate to be, <laughs> I gonna hate to say that. Um, and they're, and it's going to suck to be down there, right? So, like, you can spend your whole life preparing a bomb shelter and fretting over a bomb shelter only for, like, the experience to only be somewhat more comfortable than the rest of the people experiencing the apocalypse and um, only for um, the inhabitants of the bomb shelter to eventually perish anyway. Like, yikes. But that's part of the reality, right? And we can stay optimistic. We can cope with letdowns. We can deal with disappointment and injustice when it happens and still have an overall optimistic outlook. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what it's going to be like. You don't know what you're going to end up needing. So it's useful to keep that harsh reality in mind and um, to live your life in the present rather than constantly trying to prepare for what could happen in the future. So I have some tips to practice ways to um, strengthen your natural affinity toward optimism as a philosophy of life. First, um, practice asking yourself and others and everyone, what is a good thing that happened today? It's a beautiful question to flex that muscle um, of like finding the good, finding the gratitude, no matter what the external circumstances are. Uh, and it's it's also good to ask others uh, so that we can encourage others to do the same. Another tip to help build natural optimism. Everywhere you can, build your life around things that spark joy. Very Marie Kondo. Uh, build your life around things that fill you up and make you feel positive and supported and happy. And for the things that don't and for the places where that's impossible, see if you can adjust your mindset about it. Not bypassing or minimizing or um, ignoring, but rather see if you can kind of neutralize, um, at least neutralize. <laughs> If you can't feel good about it or optimistic about it, see what you can do to at least feel um, a little more neutral. There's a lot to be said about, like, for the mindset work that that um, that comes with this type of a philosophy. Another very important tip that um, I use in my work as a coach a lot 
is um, like the language that you're using. Be very intentional with your language around things. Note when your narrative is negative and always be willing to acknowledge the fact that your thinking, whatever you're thinking is an interpretation from your perspective and perspective and interpreting um, perspective and then expressing that with our human language. It's, it's all very human and it's all very totally subject to bias and error. Notice when your narrative is negative and always be willing to acknowledge that what you're thinking is an interpretation from your perspective. Practice being open to the idea that you could be wrong about a thing, especially if you're feeling rather um, negative, pessimistic, or fearful of the thing. I feel like it's been very useful for me to acknowledge to myself and to others when appropriate, like, this is what I'm thinking, this is what I'm feeling. It's based in uh, what I know, and I'm wise. (laughs) Um, And I am totally open to the idea that I could be wrong that I could be missing something, that I could be biased about something or misinterpreting something. I have a few suggestions for like language or narrative shifts that you can start working on today that will help, again, that ultimately will hopefully help um, strengthen your natural affinity toward optimism. Um, The first is like simple shifts, like instead of saying, I have to do these chores, I have to get this done, Try to shift a simple shift from have to to get to. I get to clean the house today. I get to work on this project today. I get to watch the baby today, like whatever it is. Um, It's a really simple shift that sometimes might feel um, much bigger like than it is. It might feel um, crazy to say, I get to go do the dishes. But I really think the power of our language, it's just so important and it's so good for our brain to like kind of force feed our brain um, more positive or optimistic or accepting language has a big impact over time. Speaking of which, um, I highly like I can't speak highly enough of Um, like radical acceptance, the DBT skill of radical acceptance where you practice, you learn how to accept everything around you, everything that is um, placed in front of you, finding acceptance for it. And that does not mean approving of it. That does not mean ignoring or bypassing any difficult or bitter or upset feelings about it. But rather, um, moving from a place of acceptance rather than constant resistance, moving from a place where you know that you can handle anything, you can deal with anything, you're equipped, you're supported, you're guided to um, manage whatever is placed in your lap. And even if it feels completely unacceptable, You're going to choose to be with what is. You're going to choose to accept the reality 
and not resist reality. Choosing. And and again, like I can't emphasize this enough and I'm going to repeat it because like our brains really need to hear this. Radical acceptance, having acceptance for um, even things that feel fucking impossible to accept, even things that we highly disapprove of, right? Accepting those things does not mean agreeing with them, approving of them, being complacent about them, um, signing off on them or like um, acceptance is not approval. It's not approval. It's not approval. But when we think of acceptance or radical acceptance as like the opposite of resistance, it's the opposite of denial or like willful wishing, like trying to will away um, the facts or the truth of a situation. That's radical acceptance. Another thing that can be really helpful is practicing managing and being aware of all or nothing thinking. Our brain just naturally does this, so it's something to really keep in check. Uh, We tend to categorize things as all bad or all good. Always be willing to look for the gray in between those things. Very yin and yang of me to say, but um, even within the quote-unquote bad, See if you can find some quote-unquote good and vice versa, right? Stay aware of the grayness. And I have a rule. Never chalk up a day as a bad day. I talk about this a lot. You might have heard this from me before, but um, several years ago, like I might have been 20 or like less than 20. I um I got dumped in like October or something and I was devastated. <laughs> I did not know how to handle it. I did not handle it well. Really um heartbreaking, heartbroken. I was um I did not it was bad. It was just all bad. <laughs> um and I suffered from like October to December. It might have even been longer than that. It feels like longer than that. It felt like longer than that. And um, I was suffering so much. I was so devastated, so sad. And of course, in hindsight, it's like, oh, I did not need to be that heartbroken over that person. (laughs) Um, Life unfolds in crazy ways. But let me get to the point. I had been heartbroken for months, suffering, struggling for months. And um, it was the turning of a new year. I think it was... um, from 2012 to 2013. So the world was supposed to end (laughs) and it didn't. And I decided that for 2013, I'm going to adopt a mindset of no bad days. I decided that no matter what happened in a day, if my shift at the pizza shop was hell, if I was um, struggling with friendships or um, family or whatever was going on, right? Whatever it was, I decided that I was never going to call a day bad, that I was every single day I was going to decide to somehow find a way to make it a good day. And I stuck to that devoted. I devoted myself to that. And I was 
Um, I, I stuck to that every day, every day, very intentionally choosing whether or not to have a bad day. Um, up until like midway through the year, I think it was like maybe June or like August that I was like, okay, I think I can stop keeping track. (laughs) And, um, it's not flawless. It's not perfect. Even 10 years later. Right. Um, it's hard, but I, I think like having that practice that I was so devoted to it and I, um, I don't want, I don't mean to sound dramatic, but like it kind of changed my life. (laughs) Uh, And reemphasizing the thing that I've reemphasized like four times, it's not about ignoring bad things or not feeling bad things or trying to like put a positive spin on shitty bad things. Not at all. Like I've, (laughs) that year um, and since then, of course, obviously. I've experienced a lot of very difficult days, incredibly challenging experience. Like, obviously, like 10 years. (laughs) And it would be really easy to say I've had hundreds of bad days since then. Uh, But I'm going to choose not to say it that way, right? I've had difficult days. I've had challenges. But um, I think it's like a really important philosophy to never chalk a bad day up, never chalk it up as a bad day. And oof, like, (laughs) there are times in my life where that's felt a lot more accessible and a lot more true than others. Like, I'm thinking of, um, like, my postpartum period with with Jasper. Um, I think the version of me in that space, in that period of time, would have a really hard time accessing this philosophy, you know? Um, so I want to name that and, um, just to kind of share that, um, as beneficial as that philosophy has been and as much as I do mean it, it's also like, totally okay to just have a shit day (laughs) and it's okay if you just need to scream and cry about it and call it a fucking bad day, you know? Um, that's allowed, of course. But I think for the most part, adopting this sort of philosophy, I'm not being dramatic when I say it changed my life. I have a few more tips for you. Another way to help make sure that the language your brain and your mouth are using are on board with a more optimistic philosophy. Make sure that you're really good at embracing both and rather than like either or. You can both be very upset about something and still have a good day. (laughs) You can both be weary about a situation and hopeful for the outcome. You can both be a realist and an optimist. And some people who are really uncomfortable with optimism, like there's... (laughs) Um, there seems to be only three options. You're either a pessimist or an optimist or a realist, right? And I stand by the statement that you can both be a realist and an optimist. And I hope that that's been coming through during this whole conversation. People like to say they kind of shit on optimism and say that realism is um, better. But the definition of a realist is 
quote, a person who accepts a situation as it is and is prepared to deal with it accordingly, unquote. That's not the opposite of optimism. That's not mutually exclusive from optimism. You can, it doesn't mean that you're also not an optimist. Uh, so you can be both. <laughs> Another important tip for embracing more optimism, stop fortune telling. Stay present. Just remember, you don't know what's going to happen in the future. You're smart. You're wise. You have intuition. Yes. And you don't know what's going to happen in the future. Stay present. Right in this moment. Right now. You are okay. Along with that tip of stop fortune telling. I also think it's important to stop mind reading. Remember that. Yes. You are wise. Yes, you have intuition. Yeah, you can probably read others pretty well. And you are not a mind reader. You do not know what other people are thinking. And it's okay to take their word for it. It's okay to ask them and it's okay to take their word for it. You're not a fortune teller and you are not a mind reader. Remember, as a rule, the past does not necessarily predict the future. Sure, history repeats itself, and yes, you are wise and intuitive, and the things that you uh, worry about or wonder about are probably based in really logical, really rational um, concerns or fears or worries. And especially the more we can practice presence and alchemizing with the present and staying where we are, the past does not necessarily predict the future. Just because it happened once does not mean that's going to happen again. Just because somebody else did it to you does not mean somebody else is going to do it to you. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's always going to be like that. Always be open to pleasant surprises. It's a lot of like mindset management that, that goes behind an optimistic perspective. Right? So all of those like language and narrative tips are really important. I have just a few mindset tips because uh, it's partially all about how you look at things. Having an affirmation or a prayer of like, I am always open for pleasant surprises. That is like a chef's kiss affirmation for me in my world. Um, it helps me find seek out and really immerse myself in and enjoy and be grateful for and feel the magic in when there are like um, unexpected surprises. Another mindset shift that can be really fun is looking at every day as if it's some sort of holiday and every meal as like, as though it's a banquet, as though it's a celebration. Find opportunities in everything. Because everything can be framed as an opportunity. Every day can be an opportunity for you to show up a little better. Every argument with your partner is an opportunity for you to show up a little more aligned. Every time you feel bullied by your boss, it's 
an opportunity. Every time your mom oversteps a boundary, it's an opportunity. It's all an opportunity for you to embrace power over yourself, your life. This might sound weird, but open yourself up to the weird. <laughs> See if you can train your muscles to smile more. It'll, this will feel crazy. It'll feel like maniacal, but smile for 60 seconds straight every day. Smile on purpose for no reason, even though there's always a reason. Smile the whole time you're folding the laundry. Smile the whole time you're um, on the phone with, uh, to pay a bill. <laughs> practice smiling. Of course, positive affirmations and intentions can really help um, to open up to a more optimistic state of mind. Finally, um, really embracing a celebration, a sense of celebration for life, romanticizing life, being open to more pleasure, more beauty, more receiving. Gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. Knowing that the things that we appreciate will grow and that this ability, this sense, the, the, um, the ability to find gratitude um, and pleasure becomes easier and easier and easier because you have better access to the pleasurable, beautiful things. Now, before we wrap up, I want to talk about a dialectical behavioral therapy skill called acting as if. Acting as if is almost like a mind hack. It is very much fake it till you make it, and it works. This is an evidence-based way of approaching life in a new way so that your external landscape can begin to shift and thus your internal landscape will shift over time as well. You'll start to believe in yourself more wholly and your confidence will begin to skyrocket. We so often sabotage ourselves. Self-sabotage is any time we act in a way that is unhelpful or ineffective despite knowing that there's a better way of handling a difficult situation. And we do this because of automatic negative thoughts or beliefs. Things slip past our brain, slip through our thoughts like, it doesn't matter how hard I try, or this always happens to me, or I can't do this, I can't do this. Those narratives get in the way of our actual abilities to do something and do it well. Acting as if helps us shift out of those dysfunctional thoughts. Here's how it works. There's a three-step protocol. <laughs> Step one, identify the automatic thought or belief that is getting in your way. Identify what is coming up that is blocking you. For instance, let's say you're about to go out on a first date. You might have the thought, I don't know why I'm even doing this. Dating sucks and this person probably doesn't even actually like me. 
they'll hate me when I meet them or I'll hate them. <laughs> Dates always go shit. Dates are always shit. <laughs> I don't even know how to meet people as an adult. I'll never find love. Right, like the spiral happens. <laughs> this line of thinking increases our anxiety, decreases our ability to have a good time, and might hinder us from relaxing and being our bright, shiny, lovely selves. Because if I know the date is going to fail no matter what, why put a lot of effort and hope into it? So step two is to then identify all of the things you would do if you believed the exact opposite of that thought. If you believed the exact opposite of, I don't know why I'm doing this, dating sucks, it's never going to work out. If it felt just as true that this was not going to suck at all and it's definitely going to work out in your favor, it's going to be a beautiful, brilliant, wonderful time, the beginning of the rest of your life. How would you, what would you do if you believed that? So from making eye contact to smiling, to preparing well, to eliciting questions, to uh, telling jokes and opening up, like list what you would see from someone who believed they make a killer first impression and that they are a great catch. What would that person do? And then step three is act as if. Act as though you are that person. Play dress up with them. Adopt all of the beliefs and behaviors of a person who truly believes that they rock first dates and who truly believes that dating will bring them the results they desire. And then practice those behaviors. Imagine yourself embracing those behaviors. Become familiar enough with the behaviors that you can use them without thinking about them too much. And then each time a dysfunctional thought comes to mind or an unhelpful thought comes to mind, notice it, smile at it, and then continue as planned. So your job this week is to practice optimism. Just see what it's like. Practice with any of the tips that um, resonate with you that I've listed and um, just experiment and see what it's like. See what comes up for you. See what kind of um, contraction your brain might bring you into as you practice adopting optimism. Now, before I go, I have a brief astrological forecast for you. This list is printed in the show notes below. And all the times are in Eastern Daylight Time. First, I'm going to tell you where all the planets are this week so that you can have a like pretty comprehensive overview. And then I'll share um, what the moon is doing, times that it is void, of course, this week. Not so that you overly structure your life around these things, but more so that you stay open to seeing how they might impact you or unfold for you as the week unfolds. Also, when the moon is void, of course, it's recommended that we kind of take a break from external goal-directed activity and focus more on um, rest and rejuvenation and like self-care. So first off, we have the sun in Sagittarius. Mercury moves into Capricorn today on Tuesday the 6th. 
also just a note mercury retrograde is coming up at the end of the month i'm still working hard on the on bringing you my retrograde revival guide so keep an eye and an ear out for more information on that venus is in sagittarius and enters capricorn friday the 9th mars is retrograde in gemini jupiter is in pisces Saturn is in Aquarius, Uranus is retrograde in Taurus, Neptune is in Pisces, and Pluto is in Capricorn. The moon this week, Tuesday the 6th, the moon is void, of course, from 2.02 p.m. until it enters Gemini at 3.49 p.m. Wednesday the 7th, we have a full moon in Gemini at 11.08 p.m. Friday the 9th, the moon is void, of course, from 1.13 a.m. until it enters Cancer at 2.49 a.m. Sunday the 11th, the moon is void, of course, from 1.49 in the afternoon until it enters Leo at 3.09 p.m. And then Tuesday the 13th, the moon will be void, of course, from 10.52 a.m. all day <laughs> until it enters Virgo on Wednesday early in the morning 3:45 a.m. So make note of that Tuesday the 13th the moon is going to be void of course pretty much all day. Next week I'll be bringing you episode 31 Sagittarius week 3. We're going to be really exploring what soul expansion means. And also consider this your formal personal invitation to my next moon circle. The next moon meetup will be Sunday, December 18th in preparation for the new moon in Capricorn. These happen in person in Old Town Fort Collins or from your sweet living room via Zoom. You can find more information on my website and RSVP there. If you are interested in an all-access pass to all moon meetups, or if you would like to support the podcast, consider signing up as a member for just $21 a month. You can support the podcast and in exchange, I will send you a monthly tarot spread and you can come to any and every moon meetup that your sweetheart desires. Over the last week, I have been freaking blown away by you by you signing up for memberships, I've reached not only my first goal, but my second one as well. <laughs> I reached my first two milestones of like um, goals for um, how for memberships. And I'm so thankful, so excited by that. Just so, so thankful for you. Um, I hope that it feels just as supportive and juicy for you as it does for me. It really means the world and it really helps so much. If you haven't signed up as a member yet, what are you waiting for? Let me know if you have any questions. Let me know uh, if there's anything you need from me. Let me know how this um, episode has landed for you. I hope, as always, that it has just felt supportive and anchoring and juicy and yummy for you. Um, thank you so much. So much for being here.
I'm, um, I can't say it enough. I'm just so grateful, completely blown away by the support. So glad that this crazy thing that I've been making, um, seems to be landing well and resonating and helpful for you. Like, Oh, I couldn't ask for anything more. Thank you so, so much. Um, I love you. Take really great care of yourselves this week and I will see you next time. Bye. Now, before you go, let me keep your ear for just a moment. This week's episode is brought to you by www.theselfcarewitch.com my bread and butter, where you can find more information on my current courses, offerings, and other fun ways to connect with myself and yourself. If you enjoyed this episode and you dig what I'm doing here, please subscribe to the podcast, rate it, and leave a review. It helps so much. And if you'd like to connect with me, head to theselfcarewitch.com. I'd truly love to hear from you. Until next time, take care.